Are we recording? <laughs> oh yeah! It's like <laughs> a year from now. <laughs> Macho. Oh man, that's Vincy. I like that my kids know that I'm healthy and strong and fit, and that their mom is healthy and strong and fit. Going, okay, I can still get better without having to do a max effort every single day. Smashing yourself on the roller for uh, an hour, right? you're good by the next day, as long as you had a, a sandwich and a net. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the topic of motivation and how it relates to Samuel Marcor's uh, psychobiological model. Again, in the first series of, this, of these podcasts, we just kind of had a little, uh, I guess, what, what do you even, what do you even talk about? Just our, ex- just our experiences with the psychobiological model and kind of how we came, to, yeah, how we mm-hmm. came to learn about it, what we thought about it. Um, and yeah, I guess what, what it is, yeah, what it is, yeah. and why we, I guess, why we kind of keep referencing or thinking about it. The last episode was about effort, sense of effort, perception of effort, uh, and how it fits into that, uh, how it fits into the psychobiological model. And this episode is about motivation and how it fits into, which is actually probably the really underlying factor of of uh, the psychobiological model. So the first thing uh, to understand. Uh, about motivation is that I and this is kind of a I don't know, personal beef I have um, it's a lot of times when I read things on social media which I don't know why I should be <laughs> surprised to be um, a little annoyed by reading su- sci- scientific proclamations on social media uh, a lot of people discuss motivation as if it's just some random uh, thing and I'll give you an example and you guys can I'm not sure if you if you come across any of these uh, any of these types of things as well so one of the common things you would see is uh, posts like uh, yeah motivation comes and goes but fill in the blank is forever or fill in the blank is what gets you over the top okay and and I guess you could fill that in and go, motivation comes and goes, but persistence gets you to your goal. Whatever. <laughs> if you can't see me, which you can't, I don't know why I could think you can't see me. But, <laughs> but, but for I, those of you just listening. <laughs> for those of you not watching the video version, I'm rolling my eyeballs. Um, and the reason there's a problem with that is because it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what motivation is. Um, and that's why those things go around uh, is because there's a lack of understanding of what motivation actually is. Motivation has a direction. So one thing being, what are you motivated towards? Okay, so for think people that just competed in the CrossFit Games, their motivation was to finish second place. Um, <laughs> no joke. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. Come on, that's what their goals were. They're like, I can't wait to go there and maybe finish second. <laughs> if Matt doesn't take all three spots. <laughs> Okay, so it has a direction. What are you actually motivated for? How much are you motivated? Uh, which, which then goes to how much effort you put towards it. And then the persistence aspect, okay? So how, how long you are working towards the same thing, okay? So th- that's what I mean. So uh, what the, 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 real mis- the, the real mystery, I think, is a lot of people think of motivation as just like energy, or I call it like caffeine. It's like they just think like, oh, I'm really energized. Or, or, or energized I just want to go do something it's like yeah but motivation has a direction an intensity and a, and a duration component to it okay 
So a lot of the words people throw around are just synonyms for motivation. It's just that they don't actually understand what they're saying or the words that the, the, the way that the word is supposed to be expressed. So with that really clear definition <laughs> under, uh, under our belts, um, a really the, the, uh, one of the most important underlying aspects of the psychobiological model uh, is something called motivational intensity theory. Um, and yeah, um, oh sorry, it's, it's called Brehm's motivational intensity theory. So that's the guy that obviously came up with it back in the 80s. Uh, and the main idea with it is to discuss um, effort allocation. And effort alloc- and all that means is how hard you're willing to work towards something. So you again, usually these studies are done in just real basic stuff like answering questions and that type of stuff and remembering numbers. Um, but it has a lot of applicability to exercise science as well, right? So when when like I'm sure this guy wasn't thinking of this, but what the way we think of it is you think about when people are pacing uh, in events or they or they simply just stop training for some reason or they seem unwilling to try harder. Um, and if you listen to our previous podcast, there's just a lot of that that can't be explained uh, through physiology, right? So with the motivational intensity theory, the two main things to think about is this one concept of uh, potential motivation. And potential motivation is the willingness to act. So how willing you are to expend effort towards the goal. And the motivational intensity aspect is how much effort you actually put towards the goal, right? So, um, and yeah, I don't really want to get too far into that, but the, the main construct that, that, that's taken from this theory uh, and brought to Samuel Marcora's psychobi- psychobiological model is the concept of potential motivation. And the way this impacts uh, in his theory is that potential motivation sets the ceiling for how much effort you're going to give. Okay. So the way to take this is to go, okay, um, you just have some beginner come in um, and they really don't like working out at all. Um, like to them, a workout is walking to this, like I parked two stalls away from the door at Walmart. You're like, oh, all right. <laughs> and then, okay, their first, you know, their first day in the gym with you and you have the new one hour echo bike for max calories. <laughs> You're like, okay. Um, generally, like you would assume someone like that, uh, and they're probably extremely unmotivated to put out a lot of effort, okay? And what that's going to do, it's going to set the ceiling for how much effort they're going to give. So if they have a low potential motivation, that let that RPE, so basically your rating of perceived exertion, just think of it like a line that's going up over time. So RPE is on uh, the y-axis and time is on the x-axis. Over time, it's just going to go up. And it's going to go up in a kind of linear fashion. And potential motivation sets the ceiling. So when that line runs into that, that, that uh, potential motivation, it stops. So that's the maximum amount of effort someone's willing to give. So if someone is low, has a very low motivation, they're only going to work a little bit hard until they get to a point where they're unwilling to work harder um, because they would then deem the task as being either impossible so they can't keep going that pace or the effort they are giving is unacceptable to them okay and there's more to it than that but the basic idea is that motivation sets the ceiling for how much effort someone's willing to give in this context any comments on that talk about the task disengagement 
Like, yeah, that's what it would be. Yeah. So, well, yeah, so, so when I say that they stop, that's task disengagement, right? Um, yeah, and then so you just, you have that scenario, and then maybe, uh, yeah, so that same person, um, you know, they're really unwilling to do that type of task. You change the scenario in where the, they're going to have a very high potential motivation to act, and they're going to try way harder simply because you raise the ceiling of motivation. So you raise the acceptable limit of their effort allocation. Meaning, so this, this person who's really unfit is not here on the echo bike biking for an hour. Someone just stole their purse and now they have to chase them down. <laughs> like they're going to run as hard as they possibly can to try to obtain that purse. Okay. You just, all you did was change the motivation to act. And then that therefore affected the effort allocation. Right, and there, which effort allocation mean energy allocation? So they're just going to try harder. Okay, um, then that that's a really extreme example, but that's the best way to give examples with this type of stuff uh, is to show how intimately connected those two things are. Um, so just to really quickly run over the, the the sense of effort stuff. So the importance of sense of effort is if you can somehow reduce the rise in RPE over time as you're working, or you can keep it lower. It will allow you to generally work far, go farther because it'll you'll be able to go farther before you run into that potential motivation line or the ceiling before you hit the ceiling and a similar statement that we had in the sense of effort podcast anything that will increase or decrease your sense of effort should therefore increase or decrease uh, your performance in that direction now with mark Horowitz, the same statement with motivation anything that increases or decreases potential motivation should therefore increase or decrease your endur your endurance performance in that direction okay um so maybe just go through a couple more examples so let's not worry about the woman who just had her purse stolen let's think of a different example um just think of a client like think of one like a client scenario and you saw something happen um like a common thing for me that I see uh, is I get a sense of I get a sense of in people's emails and the results and reading their feedback and how they're doing and the words they're using and the, and the demeanor uh, and I just have a catalog of the way they previously communicated with me and what things are um, and if you get a, and, and this is the power right you get a sense of people starting to lose some of that motivation in the persistence realm so not just like in the real one-time thing it's it's their motivation over time if it's starting to dwindle your the training has to reflect that one you want to try to talk with the person and communicate with them but the training has to reflect that and the reason it has to reflect that is because the effort they're going to give is connected to this and if you're asking for training that's going to require st uh, like efforts superior like super to that <clears throat> you're going to create problems with them and you're going to start creating a negative circumstances. So they're going to become less confident in their abilities or they're just going to not enjoy training anymore, right? And this is just a simple idea of how motivation functions. It's very common amongst a lot of our competitive athletes right now, given the current landscape, right? Because there's not a lot of <clears throat> competitions on the horizon. If there are any, they're, they're online qualifiers that maybe don't mean a whole lot. So the motivation to train when there's no upcoming competition that they can compete at in person, you start to see motivation start to dwindle a little bit. And so then, like, as you've said, like training has to then be adjusted accordingly, right? Um, and find ways to try and reinvigorate that, that motivation if you can, or just back off for a little period of time until they can kind of find that motivation on their own. Yeah. Um, just 
to kind of ramp it back up again but again like if there's no competitions coming up what why are they why are they training so hard why are they you know what i mean so mm-hmm. you don't have to be you know you're not prepping for anything so i yeah. guess what, I, what i'm saying is <clears throat> training doesn't have to be um pro- programmed in a way that you know you're, you're trying to prepare them for i don't know the, the yeah. winter invitational for us exactly. like some people really look forward to that you know what that i mean <laughs> Um, but if that weren't happening, then, you know, you just kind of yeah. back off a little bit. But Yeah, and the reason, again, and the reason that's important is because all this stuff's connected. So if you're asking them to peak, you're asking them to give maximal performance. If you're asking for maximal performance, you're going you're gonna to be demanding someone experience maximal levels of effort. In order to experience maximal levels of effort, in order to give that maximal performance, they have to be maximally motivated. All this goes together. Um, and... It's a, it's a, it's a, like to me, it's a, it amazes me that no one, that no one talks about this. Um, nobody, I don't ever see people discuss this stuff. I'm like, this is so basic. As soon as you affect the individual's motivation to act, you just lost the best athlete they were. If they were really good and they're not motivated anymore, they're not good anymore. It's literally that simple. It's that simple. They can be as fit as you want. If they are not motivated to act, and give their true best, it does not matter anymore. It's that simple. And you can see it over and over with people. And it's not a bad thing, it's just reality. Mm-hmm. Because this thing can wane over time. And people just talk about, yeah, well it can wane. What waned? The motivation to act waned. It's not just some random thing that changed, it's your willingness to exert effort changed. That's what changed. And so when people talk about how like, motivation comes and goes but discipline is forever (laughs) like that doesn't mean anything like discipline functions to help motivation so the more routine you can make your life the less motivation you need to have to do these little remedial tasks so it doesn't just function in a silo like your routine helps your motivation because it helps you have to exert less of it day to day right that's the point of it that's that's why you would want to do that is because then not everything has to have this massive amount of focus and effort to do. <laughs> You're like, it's just a routine, so it's easy. So it requires no motivation to do it, or very low amounts. Yeah, but, but what exactly changes? So we say motivation changes, but what changes that causes the motivation to drop? Yeah, that's the, there's, I'm sure there's lots of stuff to that, right? But the, in, in Marcora's world of psychobiology, they all, all this stuff either filters through perception of effort or it all filters through motivation. That's, his, that's the way he discusses stuff. Um, so again, when people talk about like, my nutrition is helping XYZ, it's like, yeah, it's helping you in XYZ as it filters through sense of effort or motivation. And that's the, that's the contention from it, right? Which will bug some people, but I like that. I kind of I like it. It's the same thing about how, you know, Making, getting you, making you stronger or making you fitter helps your performance because it helps you actually experience less effort at that same relative workload. Or you just, if you tried to untangle that and go, yeah, well, I got fitter, but now it's actually harder to go faster. It feels worse. I'm like, I'm not sure how many people would be going faster. We'd all be going like 12 kilometers an hour or sorry, 12 minute kilometers running. We'd just be walking the whole time. We'd be like, man, this is brutal. <laughs> I don't know why anyone's doing this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was great. So then, because we've all had clients like this, I was going to ask this question to all of us here, but 
Um, sorry, I'm not used to holding it so close without my mustache. Um, you got about a foot of clearance. Or yeah, right. <laughs> so we all have we all have or have had clients who are very fit, but don't exert effort when it comes to training. They're operating way below their ceiling, and it's like a chronic habit for those people. Um, I can think of one guy that used to program for young kid i'm sure if you think about it hard hard enough you'll know i'm talking about i had one recently um like how do you how do you like motivate those people to give their best if they're just used to kind of hanging out when really their true potential is so much higher than what they what they give in training and even in competition these people uh, to me most of that's their responsibility right you can't you can't make someone do that you can you can encourage it right and you can create an environment that's conducive to it but there's no amount of that that's going to make them do it right um and just use the example of do you think matt's still going to win the crossfit games and he's training in x pick a place he's training it doesn't matter he's going to win like because that's who he is Mm -hmm. if you put him in a better environment so he has a training partner like tia and some good people to be around in tennessee with rich and them that makes it even easier for him to do what he's got to do but if you take someone who doesn't truly want to win and put them down there, it's not going to do anything. Like it's going to it's going to make it a little better, but they're never going to be Matt Frazier because they don't have that. They don't have the desire and desires more along the lines of persistence. They're not going to be they're not going to do that. They're just not going to put that effort in over time to make that work. And effort over time is motivation. That's persistence. Um yeah, and there's lots of scenarios like that. And there's lots of people that are like, oh, I had a really great week of training and they seem like they want to do more. And I encourage them to not do more mm-hmm. because they shouldn't because they had one good week out of four. So it's like, just have one good week of training. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Let's go try to do another one and let's do another one and let's do another one. And then it becomes more routine and you just know how to make that happen week to week. Um, the things you need to look for is when you see people who are like, just pop up and seem extremely motivated in nowhere. Um, you would want to try to actually con- like help those people kind of just settle down and learn to give adequate amounts of efforts over like week to week uh, because maybe they just can't see what's going to happen in two weeks when they don't want to train anymore and they want to just go sit in the basement mm-hmm. like <laughs> I well, why are you looking at me man <laughs> I was going to say like Biden <laughs> you gotta take that out <laughs> I'll give you 50 bucks if you leave it in. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so funny. Okay, I'll just live in a basement, Joe. <laughs> hey, Scott, Scott didn't see that, so. That's so funny. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, leave it in, whatever. Um, yeah, what the hell are we talking about? Um, Trying to increase people's motivation yeah. if they have a high ceiling, but they're never reaching it. Or if they Yeah, I don't know. That's hard. I don't really have a firm answer on that. I just kind of have a feeling about it. Well, I think part of it would be potentially taking away the obstacles. So if someone is extremely motivated but has a terrible lifestyle, mm-hmm. like they're motivated to X amount, but the threshold of their motivation isn't enough to change their lifestyle, then I'm like, mm-hmm. obviously that's a huge component to being yeah. able to maintain a motivational threshold to train hard. Yeah. So again, you see how this functions, right? 
Um, so what Jason's saying is correct. So what you want to do is try to is try to improve all those other aspects of his, of your life. So you improve your sleep, you improve your nutrition, you improve your relationships, you have a better gym to train at, you enjoy the people you're around, um, you have someone funny like me around all the time. Um, like what that does is <laughs> right. The, the importance there is if you have if you have the opposite stuff, um, you have the opposite of all those scenarios. Uh, you, you like you're just going to artificially have higher effort sense when you're when you're performing your training, and what that requires is then higher amounts of motivation to get the same amount of work out of yourself. And the problem with that is that over time, it's going to drain on you, and you're going to be like, man, I don't feel like I can do it anymore. Like that that's the real problem. So you want to go the other way and go, how do I reduce all these things to make my efforts feel even better because I've I've checked all these boxes. And then it requires less motivation to perform the same work, which will then hopefully make it more sustainable over time. One of the things we kind of dance around is that uh, motivation is directly tied to your, your, your values. So if you value your training highly, so you're motivated, you go in. If you miss a night of sleep, you're going to value sleep a little bit higher than training, so you're not going to train. So if your lifestyle doesn't allow you to have training as your highest value and all of a sudden you you work out hard really hard train hard for a long period of time and you slowly degrade your ability to to train hard your value for a rest for recovery for break goes higher and higher and eventually it goes higher than your desire for training so you have to be able to build everything in your life directed towards that value of getting better in the long term well, they're all tied together too, right? Like training and nutrition and sleep. And so if you can optimize those other areas of your life where they're, I guess, less, um, there's, you know, there's just less barrier to achieving those things like food prepping, for example, ensuring that you go to bed at the same time every night and getting up at the same time every morning. If that just becomes routine, it comes autopilot, then the effort that you're able to and willing to exert in training like you said, it just it remains higher. It should remain high, higher than someone who's not doing those things, right? It's not just physiological. So if your value of, of training is extremely high and then something comes up in life where you can no longer, or you don't want to direct as much time and effort towards training and you desire to spend more time towards buying a red Honda Civic and chasing girls, <laughs> then, then potentially... Your training, the value of training goes Are you below. Are talking about Roxanne? <laughs> <laughs> but especially for young guys that are getting out of high school, getting a job, being able to spend money and, and, and have insurance. a Yeah, buy insurance <laughs> and freedom. All of a sudden their value hierarchy changes. So they come into the gym a little less motivated or they spend too much time up late at night. So all these things, or, or say say you, you get a new job and you have to lower the amount of time you dedicate to training and spend more time at this new job. So your value hierarchy changes again. Yeah, there's um, yeah, there's a lot, and as I've read, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of points you would want to add here, but we're not going to add. There's a lot of other ways to have this discussion, <clears throat> and there's there's other opinions as well. Um, and we're not going to try to cover everything, but the whole point was just to get across the idea of what motivation actually is. 
um, and how it affects effort in, and how this all relates to Samuel Marcora's psychobiological model. Um, yeah, any other examples you want to cover there? You want to talk about your, your writing? Or is that just too much? No, that's actually an interesting... Yeah, I forgot about it. Thanks for bringing that up. That was a great little... Uh, a great a great reminder, Jay. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I don't know how long it was. Two or three weeks ago? Four weeks ago? I ran a half marathon. I had planned to do it... Well, I was planning to run an actual race, but... Um, yeah, things went crazy, so all the races got cancelled. And then... I know myself well, so I have to have something on the horizon as that I'm training for. Um, so then I just set a date, probably, I don't know when I set that, but I actually didn't even have a set date. I had a set time frame. I wanted to do a half marathon full effort. Um, and I was like, ah, I probably want to do that in the end of September, early October. Um, so yeah, so whenever I, I can't remember the exact date, but I ran it a few weeks ago. And my goal was to beat my previous time from uh, one year pre one year ago, which was one thirty an hour thirty four and thirty uh, an hour thirty four minutes thirty seconds. So that was my goal. My goal is actually to run a little bit faster than that. I wanted to run uh, under an hour and thirty three minutes. And so that's what I set out at. And I gave myself um, I wanted to kind of I got halfway and I was like, okay, I'm going to be right around that hour and thirty three minute time. And I got to like 15 kilometers, only had six kilometers left, and I knew I was going to break that 133 time unless something crazy happened. And then I got to like two and a half kilometers left, and I was like, "I'm, I'm just going to go for it. Like, I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going to try to break 132." I didn't have that in my head that I could do that, so I was like, "I'm, I'm going to do it." And then, yeah, like coming in the last, probably the last uh, two kilometers, I made that. I just, I just remember, I make that turn up that little tiny hill, and I'm going. I'm like, "Okay, let's go." And I, the, I know the pace I need to, I need to stay below is like 4:20 um, to get what I need to do, and I'm, I'm running like a four, four minutes per kilometer pace. I'm like, I, I'm gonna break one, one, uh, 132. I got this. And then I'm going, I'm going, and I'm still like, maybe I got the times wrong, so I'm just like really running hard <laughs> to make sure I got this. And there's a mailbox out here um, by our gym, and the mailbox is about 400 meters away. Uh, and I know that I know the exact time it's going to take me to get from that mailbox, running at my current pace, back to the, the back to the gym, which is going to equal that twenty one point one kilometers. Um, anyway, so I was like, I have four meters left, and I have basically I have a, a minute or have like a minute and fifty five seconds to finish it. And I was like, I got this. I could. This is. I got this. This is done. And within that like two seconds, I I had to. F- I almost started slowing down just on just like because I was like I, I don't need to I don't need it to feel this hard anymore I'm just gonna finish because I'm just gonna do it like I just like I know I'm gonna do it so I've already achieved what I'm looking for um, so my motivation in that moment just just automatically changed I'm like why do I need I don't need to try this hard anymore I can just kind of coast it out and finish because I'm gonna break it but then I had to like willingly force myself to, to like get back to the pace I'm running at to go no no like every second you have to make every second count like let's go let's go because in my head like an, a one, an hour 31 uh, and 59 seconds is what mattered like if I ran an hour 31 and 42 seconds versus an hour 31 and 43 seconds that didn't matter to me so 
like my motivation to, to keep that effort really high and therefore that discomfort high was reduced significantly once I knew I had I had achieved that goal. But then I had to force myself with all I had to not do that. To, so then it just felt harder. Like everything felt harder in that last 400 meters. It just felt harder to do because I'm like, I don't need to do this. Like I'm not, I don't, it, like, uh, I think what's the word they use in, in the research? Oh, it's oh, instrumental. Yeah, it's not, it's not actually required behavior anymore, which makes it unlikely you're going to act that way, right? Because the potential motivation will come down then because it's not required for you to put out that amount of effort anymore. So it feels harder. Like it just felt harder. I was like, this feels like I should just slow down. But I got back on the saddle and just, you know, finished up. <laughs> but it's just weird. Like uh, it was just such a weird thing that happened like that. And you can see this all the time. You honestly can. You like one of the things like, and I'm, again, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to try to like play God and know what was in people's heads. But if you just watch the last event of the, of the CrossFit games, um, like you just watch Carrie Pierce, like how motivated was she to do that last one mile run? She was extremely motivated because she knew what was on the line, right? How motivated was Sam Quant to do that last one mile run? Uh, not quite as much. <laughs> and like, same with Tia and Matt, like how motivated were they to run that last mile, seeing how they'd won the event on Thursday night? Like this is three days later, they'd already won. They're like, oh, let's just finish it off here. Um, they're just they're out there just having a good time, right? So it's just it seems it's when you have this disconnect between the instrumentality of it, so the importance of the of the act, and then what you're actually doing, right? So Carrie Pierce, very important that she tries hard. She did it. Matt and Tia, they could just do whatever they wanted to. They're out there for a Sunday stroll, and Sam, I think he already had second place locked up, right? Regardless of where he finished. So it just changes what you're willing to do, right? And that's 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 not that's not weird. Like it's not weird that people do that. That's just called normal. That's normal behavior. Like if if someone was like, uh, yeah, another one of these things. Like if um, that that's that they constantly go over. Right? If the task is deemed, um, if it has very low importance, right? So this is another thing about how it affects motivation. So if it has very low importance, your effort allocation will be very low. So your potential motivation will be low. Um, as well, if the task seems impossible, your potential motivation will be low. So, for example, if I said, okay, Tom, uh, if we know your 2K pace is like, whatever, pick a number, 135 for 500 meters. You okay with that number? Yeah. That's actually too fast for you, isn't it? That's too, yeah, that's too fast for you. So, we'll say, one, 130, we'll say 135 for 500 meters, your 2K pace. And then, okay, here's the test. Uh, you have to row one hour at a 130 per 500 meter pace. No way. So, so yeah, so then we just say that's a test. I want you to do that. And then you start rowing. How long are you going to row for? Knowing that the task requires one hour. I don't know. Right? But just, <laughs> right, but just the idea. You're like, this is, this is impossible, right? Yeah. It's impossible. So you will have an urge to not do it. You'll have an urge to go, I don't, why am I doing this? There's no point. Like, it's impossible. You're like, but that's not the point. The point is to do the task. And you go, but it's impossible. I can't do it. Just knowing that will automatically affect the amount of effort you're going to give because the task is deemed impossible. So it will reduce your potential motivation. Just that alone, right? Versus if you then, versus you, you give people tasks that are kind of right within the realm of their abilities, that's how you'll maximize someone's uh, uh, motivation to perform the task if it's important to them. You get it right on the nose of being like, this is what they can do. This is where I want you to be. 
this is how you get a really good performance. I was thinking about the time you gave me the 5K, and you had given me a time of, I think it was sub 18 minutes or row. Yeah, 5K row, and you had said sub 18 minutes, and then I thought that was not aggressive enough. And I when was this? Uh, this was 20. It was in 20. It was before regionals. I know that, oh, yeah. and I was still back home uh, training. Yeah. So it was fifteen or sixteen, um, or seventeen. Who knows? No, it was in. It was. Um, it had to be the summer of twenty seventeen. Okay, is that when you rode that really good five k? Yeah. So. Because it was that. It would had to be that summer. Okay. And then the, you had put a time of eighteen minutes, or yeah, I'm pretty sure it was eighteen minutes, and I thought it wasn't aggressive enough, and that, I said I'm gonna get a minute faster than that, and then ended up doing like 1640 yeah but i just thought the whole time i started out at like 138 was my pace mm-hmm. for the first 2k <laughs> and i was i uh, i said to myself this is too fast i have to slow down but if i slow down too much, too much then i'm gonna be disappointed and regretted that i committed to this like beating the time you suggested mm-hmm. by a minute and uh, I slowed down to 143. That was my compromise for the next 2K. And then for the last 1K, it was like easy to speed up, obviously, because mm-hmm. I could see that I was still going to accomplish my goal. Mm-hmm. But I ended up uh, getting even like 20 seconds faster because I, I had it set up so that you could see the time remaining. Um, but I just think in that scenario of like, I picked too much or what I thought was too much and I don't really know where to go with this but um, yeah I'm just like losing my train of thought like if you would have tried too hard <coughs> too early that you would have missed the goal entirely Is yeah that I think like if I would have started at 135 right if I would have been too aggressive I probably would have quit because I, th- I think of like 16.1 that was that overhead lunge uh, bur- bar facing burpee and chest to bar workout I the first time I did it, I had a great score and I was actually only like a few, I think I was a few reps shy of beating Noah Olson in it. And Mike was like, oh, that's a great time. You don't have to repeat it, but I did anyway. And um, I ended up knowing like five minutes before it was over that I, well, I couldn't I couldn't beat my time. So I just stopped. I didn't even continue. I was like, there's no point in me like finishing this. I just quit. Mm-hmm. Or uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I can think of so many stories yeah, like then that. It just, like, again, that just automatically changes, right? It, yeah. it, it, it automatically affects you because then it starts changing the instrument. Like, you're like, why is this valuable anymore? Why would I give this amount of effort? Yeah. Right? And it starts affecting you. are like, why would I? I'm This um, this level of effort is unacceptable now. Yeah. But this is okay, right? Because your willingness to act starts going down. Yeah, if you get if you were to say the one hour row thing, you'd say yeah, I wouldn't even try. Exactly, I'd be like I'm not gonna do it. Right. So, yeah. but that's what's predicted. But so, so there's tons of studies on this, right? And they do these little really easy ones. Um, that's what's predicted from the motiv- this motivational intensity theory is that that exact answer would come from you, and and the way they don't ask you these questions, they they would measure people's cardiovascular response, right? And when it's like a really low, so it's like Tom, I want you to row for ten minutes at a 225 pace and you're like okay <laughs> like that's really easy right and you're like okay i want you to row 10 minutes at a two minute pace 
and the prediction from the model is that you'll have a larger cardiovascular response just from that, like in, just from hearing it, that type of thing. Um, and then if you're like, oh, now I want you to do it at 137, you're like, hmm, that's like, okay, like that'll give you maximal arousal. And if it's like <laughs> towards the task, and then it's like, I want you to roll 10 minutes at 130 or 125, you're like, I'm, I don't even care. Like you don't even hear it, right? You're like, this is irrelevant, I'm not gonna do it. Um, but it's, it, it, and they have tons of studies on this. So it's called motivational intensity theory. The author's last name, I think is Richter. Um, you should, if you're interested in this stuff, you should look it up. It's really practical and it's, it's, um, there's some really great articles to explain how it works. Uh, discusses like negative moods and how mood states will affect motivation and then therefore effort. Um, how important the task is will then affect it. Um, they talk about ability and different levels of ability and how that affects effort allocation. So we just have a real small sliver of what, what, what's covered in that here today. Um, but hopefully that was a good enough, um, hopefully we covered enough topics for people to understand that. Oh, I got lost, man. Go, go again. Good. But but why would you like? We got another. I got another ten minutes before I got to leave. But, but five e minutes. Even so, it's going into the the task disengagement or or p potential motivation. Say you get to the um, mailboxes and your goal was one thirty two. Do you think you could hit it? If I could run to the mailbox in a, at a minute thirty two. So no no. So if you're if you're an hour if your goal was an hour and thirty two and you made it to the mailboxes and you knew you could have done it, could would you have done it? So I don't. So, so when you yeah. were running your half marathon, yes, okay, yeah, and you made it to the mailboxes, and you knew the if you were like if your goal, the original goal was a minute thirty two, an hour, or 30. an hour thirty two, yeah. sorry, would you have been able to run faster to make that happen? If it was close, yeah, yes, yeah, but if it was a minute thirty and you got to the the no, mail, no you would have totally disengaged at or an hour and thirty, you would if, totally it, disengage from the. Task. I honestly think for myself, if I knew with ten kilometers left that I was gonna miss it, I would just quit. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm done. Or I would just finish it out slow, like at a slower pace, but it would feel brutal. Mm -hmm. So because you're like, I know I'm not going to succeed anymore. Um, and it's going to, and just that and it's going, it's going to affect your, the way you're sensing that effort yeah. and the, and the willingness you have to deal with that. So if you get me to run an hour and a half, my effort yeah. is through the roof, no matter what the time <laughs> is. But, but the yes. idea is like, why the hell would you do that in the first place? What, motivates you to yeah. to set that goal yeah. and once you reached your goal how did it feel yeah it felt great but why does it feel good yeah because i said i have the in, like for two reasons one i want i had like the the intrinsic motivation to do it right so it, i had a it, i had a large value towards that and just seeing the success and what i set out to do and what i had done so that created a lot that, that yeah so it had a lot of value for me to hit that time so with the intrinsic <clears throat> motivation if you are trying to achieve something and you get a, a positive reward from mm -hmm. it like i think that's one of those things that you get from from crossfit or training yeah. that a lot of people end up kind of like chasing the dragon forever mm -hmm. trying to get that feeling again and again and, and achieving a goal mm -hmm. i mean that's if you get a positive feeling after running your butt off for an hour and a half like that's wrong in my my opinion but you get a reward from it for for some reason and mm -hmm. that means in my opinion again that that's kind of like evolutionarily hardwired into us to get a reward from achieving a goal yeah and then what did you do you posted about it to social media mm -hmm. and then what was the response on social media it was raining likes 
But 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 there's but there's that that's that's so weird from a like a, a behavioral re- like if but I it's totally if normal. I, if I didn't own a business, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I, I, you might have. You might have. I see lots of posts from people that don't own businesses. <laughs> Not like me. <laughs> <laughs> but but again, that's that behavior is only explained by a motivation, mm-hmm. and it felt good to get likes. So there's mm-hmm. like an extrinsic motivation to yeah. sharing this, and the, and the extrinsic motivation of the actual time yeah. I wanted to do that versus the actual like the feeling of of accomplishment, right? Yeah. So all all these things like go into building up a, a, a someone's why, why they're doing mm-hmm. it, and understanding it. I think as a coach, you can kind of start to tease out a little bit more effort from some people if you start to understand how, what they value, and. So some people are always trying to better themselves and then, but they, they're, they're willing to work for an entire year to get that slightly better score on an, on a, on a workout. And some people just want to come in and, and, and hit what you lay out for them and hit it well. And they're like, cool, that's good enough for me. So I don't know those, those building the why people do things is super important. I feel like as a coach, he who has a why can bear anyhow. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the episode and know someone else that will, please share it with them as it helps to grow our reach. If you haven't done so already, please leave us a review wherever you listen. For questions about topics covered on the show or topics we haven't covered yet, send those questions to spiraloutpodcast at gmail.com. We do read the emails and have some topics that were submitted by listeners and we plan to cover them in the near future. You can follow at optimum underscore performance underscore training on Instagram to find out when new episodes are available. And last but not least, if you guys are in Calgary, come by and check out the gym. We offer individual design as well as personal training for those close by. If you live far, head over to optimumperformancecalgary.com to get information on remote coaching and athlete camps. Catch you guys in two weeks.